heard about a man who was 88 years old walking through the forest on a stroll. A frog hopped out onto the pathway in front of the man and spoke. The frog said, I'm a beautiful princess, but I'm under a witchcraft spell. If you'll pick me up and kiss me, I'll turn back into a beautiful princess and I'll be yours forever. Well, the old man was infatuated. He picked up the frog and put it in his pocket and he walked on to his friend's home. When he got there, he pulled the frog out and he said, I want you to see what I found in the forest today. So he pulled the frog out of his pocket, placed it in his hand, and the frog spoke again. Look, I'm telling you the truth. I'm a beautiful princess, but I'm under a witchcraft spell. If you'll just kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess and I'll be yours forever. And the guy's friend looked at him and he said, Fred, why don't you just kiss the frog and see if it's true? And the old man put the frog back in his pocket and he said, you know what? At this stage of my life, I'd rather have a talking frog. Now <laughs> uh, think about that. I want to start this morning with a little bit of history. September the 2nd, 1666, a small fire broke out and erupted in a bakery shop in London, England. It burned for four days. It consumed 80% of the city. Over 13,000 buildings and homes were destroyed, earning it the name, the Great Fire of London. The devastation was so sweeping, the city literally had to rethink how it would prepare for another large-scale disaster. So a series of new laws were passed. One law required that homes have a certain number of buckets and ladders present at all times. Another law required residents of homes to participate in hand-to-hand -hand bucket brigades were a fire to break out. And then another law was passed that allowed for the incorporation of an entirely new kind of a business, a business that would underwrite property and provide financial compensation in the case of damage or loss. Anybody know what kind of company that might have been? An insurance company. It was called the Insurance Office for Houses, established in 1681, insuring 5,000 homes. So don't say you didn't learn anything coming to church today. The need for insurance arose from the human need for assurance because we live in a world where fires start, accidents happen, tragedy strikes, illness hits people, sometimes suddenly without warning. But there's something in all of us in our humanity that needs and longs and craves security. We want to know, we need to know we're safe. Now, we live in America in what I've called a safety-first kind of a culture. We are seat-belted, airbagged, inoculated people more than any generation in history. We want safe homes to inhabit. We have safety codes. We want safe cars, airbags, seat belts. We want safe food to eat. We want safe, clean water to drink, unlike our dear friends in Flint, Michigan. And while we've learned a lot how to be physically safe, how to protect our bodies or our homes, I don't think we understand completely what makes our soul safe. Your soul is the deepest, most important part of who you are. And one of your soul's most fundamental needs is the need for security, the need to be safe. The writer of Hebrews says this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul 
firm, and secure. Your soul needs an anchor. It needs something that's firm and secure on which to stand and to thrive. The book of Genesis, and we discover in reading, we find our security in a God who provides. It says, your soul is designed, it's hardwired to find its only security and safety in a God who provides. So God didn't just create us and then send us on our way. He provided us a place to live, food to eat, air to breathe, beauty to enjoy, relationships so we can experience love and intimacy, work to give us significance. We're made to find our security in this God who provides. In fact, if you look closely at how God created us, you find God actually stops, points our attention to how He's providing for us. In Genesis 1 verse 29, He says, see, I have given you every plant producing seed and every tree for food. That word see is the Hebrew word henna, H-I-N-N-E-H. It's a word that's used to interrupt the flow of this narrative. It's a break in the story that says, hold it, wait, stop, check this out. You need to see what I'm doing. And that expression gets used over and over when God's drawing our attention and eyes to some way He wants to provide for us to give us soul security. When Noah and his family had been on an ark for over a year, Genesis 8.13 says, And Noah removed the covering of the ark, and he saw that the surface of the ground was dry. Again, that word henna, to say, don't you see? Don't you see, Noah, I'm providing for you? Or when Abraham was about to sacrifice his son Isaac, and God stops him. In Genesis 22, verse 13, and Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. There's that word henna again. That would be the sacrifice as if to say, don't you see? I'm providing, Abraham. I'm providing for you. And that's why the act of gratitude And the practice of gratitude is so good for the soul because God is always saying, stop, look, pay attention. Don't you see how I'm providing for you? So maybe this week, even if it's been a difficult week, even if there's a lot going on, a lot of difficulty, a lot of things you could complain about, I wonder where God right now is drawing your attention to how He's providing for you. Like when you finally got that job or when you were accepted into the school. Or she said, yes, finally, on a first date. Your soul is made to fully depend on a God who provides. It's made to. And from the very beginning, God says, see, don't you see? Look. This raises a question. Why then do we feel so unsafe? Why then do we experience so much insecurity in our lives? When people talk about insecurity today, it's usually in reference not to the soul, but to the self. We say a person has a poor self-esteem or they lack self-confidence. But the real source of insecurity is not a function of the self, it's a function of the soul. And again, the Genesis story is helpful giving us clarity as to why it's so. In spite of the fact God provided for our needs that He blessed Adam and his wife and said, see, don't you see all the ways I'm providing for you? They didn't trust Him. They didn't fully trust Him, and they stepped out on their own. 
So they stepped out to provide for themselves. They wanted to be like God. In other words, they wanted to be able to control their life, provide for themselves, bring security for themselves. So they didn't gain security when they did this. They lost it. It, it, It's crucial to see how Adam's sin affected and damaged our soul. Listen to what the man says to God after the first sin. I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Does that sound like a very secure person, a secure soul? That's the first recorded instance of anxiety. I heard you coming, and then these thoughts went through my head about what you might do or how my life might be in danger. He got anxious. Anybody here ever feel anxious about your life? You know, the deep roots of our anxiety go back to the loss of soul security. God, I heard you coming, and instead of feeling peace, I suddenly felt anxious. I'm not secure. That's the first recorded instance of fear in the Bible, in mankind. Fear now enters our world. And fear can be such a normal part of our daily lives, it's easy to gloss over how strange that must have sounded to God. I'm afraid? Why? God's been nothing but good. He's been nothing but generous. He's done nothing but bless and provide and be good. He's done nothing to do anything that would make His creation afraid of Him. It's kind of crazy, but that's what sin does. It breaks the soul. It introduces a toxic fear into our soul. And this fear we live in all the time, always being afraid of what may come into our life, can be traced back to the loss of soul security. You know, this moment in the story is the first recorded instance of insecurity. Why was the man afraid? He said because he was naked. But my question is, well, he was naked before. What's changed is not his appearance. What's changed is his soul. His soul now experiences life through the lens of what he lacks, what he's missing, where he feels vulnerable, through the lens of where he feels exposed. And I know insecurity is a complex issue. It can come from a lot of different life experiences, a lot of different kinds of pain. But the deepest roots of our insecurity, you know, where we uh, start focusing on the lens of this world, where we don't measure up, what we lack, what we don't have, and all that gets traced back to the loss of soul security. So we have anxiety, we have fear, we have insecurity. Feeling glad you came to church today? But this is real stuff, isn't it? It is. It's alive and well in your soul even now. I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. That's the human condition. Hiding, self-protecting, grasping for security. And we do it in a lot of ways. Number one, control. We love to feel like we're in control. If you had an armrest, I'd ask you whose arm is on that armrest. That's the controller, right? Get on an airplane, sit by your seatmate. Who's the first to grab that armrest? The controller. There's signs. I know what it is to be a controller. I fight that thing all the time. It's just part of my temperament like that. Some of you don't have that problem. You're just a doormat. You let controllers walk all over you. And that's bad too. But it gives a, it gives a person a sense of security when we can control outcomes, when we can control our career trajectory, when we control other people. There's a sense of security from the pursuit of control. And then we look to relationship or appearance. It feels much safer when we think other people think highly of us. 
We get into the image deal or reputation. And that can be based on what you do. What is your career? What kind of job do you have? It can be based on where you live, what zip code, what gated community. It can be based on how your kids are doing in school or whether they're a champion excelling in sports. It can even be based on your spiritual reputation. Sometimes in churches, we sort of get this sense we'll be more secure if people think we're doing better than we actually are. So we end up putting on a facade and giving this appearance of we're doing fine, we're doing okay. It gives us a sense of safety. Or number three, financial security or the pursuit of comfort. We live in a comfort-addicted society. One of my friends in L.A. told me he saw a small three-bedroom house, very small, in 90210 zip code, and the rent on that home was $10,500 a month just to be in 90210. That is the stupid, stupid world we live in. And people will drive to mail their letters to be postmarked from 90210. So you'll think highly of me. I think you are sick. That's what I think about you. Give me a massive break. And the pressure point is actually, can I build up a life that other people will see and envy? that would feel secure, that would feel safe. If other people think I'm doing well, if I have enough control, if I have the right appearance, if I have enough security and comfort, I will finally feel secure. Now, Jesus tells a story of somebody who did exactly that. They spent their days focusing on security. They focused on their future. They stored up wealth. They stored resources. They were into control, appearance, comfort, and reputation. And there's this fascinating moment when this person tries to convince his own soul that his schemes and plans have worked. So he said, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, and a lot of us do that, maybe in your head or in your heart. But we're trying to convince our soul that our schemes for providing security for our lives are working. So, you've got all this wealth. So, you have an established career. So, you've made a name for yourself. So, you've got a hot body. So, you have earned that great job title. So, your life is now envied by others. So, you've gotten your kids into Harvard. So, you can now rest and finally feel secure. But here's the thing. Although it's possible to convince your mind to believe that and convince your will to make choices based on that, you can never, never convince your soul because your soul was made to find security in God. So stuff and things never make my soul secure. We try and try, but it never happens. And you'll find out when a storm hits and when the scaffolding of stuff around you is stripped away. Then you'll find out how naked you really are, and we'll see if your soul is secure. We'll see. Your soul was made to find its security in God, and it won't settle for anything else. Not only that, we put our souls in danger when we settle for anything but God to give us ultimate security. Now, which is why Jesus' response to this man is very simple. You fool. <laughs> you fool. Do you realize what you've done? This very night, your soul will be demanded of you. In other words, there's a storm coming, baby. And when it does, where are you going to take refuge then? 
where will you hide? You know, in all the times I have visited hospitals, not once did a patient pull me aside to brag about their resume. Not once did I get called to a room so they could talk about how they could enhance their reputation. Because when storms come, and they will come, and for those of you who have faced great pain or difficulty in life, when the storms come, your soul will come face to face with that need for real refuge and real security. And the question this morning is simple, where will your soul go? Where will your soul find safety, security, refuge? Where are you going to hide then? Jesus is traveling across the Sea of Galilee. A dangerous storm blew up, threatened to swamp the boat and drown them. Just sort of a side note, anybody remember what Jesus was doing in the boat when the storm hit? Asleep. Asleep. He had a secure soul, fully at peace, even with the chaos of the world storming around him. I watch Christians watch the news. You watch too much news. You watch every bubblehead from the left and from the right. You get all this, and you just walk around in terror. And I'm thinking, you need a soul that's secure. All through the Bible, those great apostles and great Christians of earlier generations didn't have an easy life at all. But they didn't fear death, and they were secure. They weren't happy something was taken away. They weren't happy at mistreatment, but their soul was totally secure. You know, that's, a, that's kind of a great place to be. The disciples, however, are all terrified. And then when those moments, now they find out whether their soul is in Jesus or in their ability as merchant marines to handle the, the sea, to handle the boat, to handle a storm, and they're not doing too good. So he looks at them and he asks this question. Jesus said, where's your faith? The security of your soul hinges on that one question. Where is your faith? Is it in you? Is it in your talent? Is it in your looks? Is it in your job title? Oh, is it in your zip code, 90210? Is it in your tax bracket? Is it in what you own or what you're able to wear? Sometimes we get so busy in life and we get into these safe routines, we put our life on cruise control, and we stop hearing that question. Where is your faith? The soul of your life, that which is most important to you, depends on that one simple question. Where is your faith? In what? Because you never know what this day, or this week, or this month, or this year is going to bring. You never know what storms may bring. And if your wealth goes away, if it's stage four cancer, your money can't buy healing, if you're down for the count, if a loved one or a child is suddenly unexpectedly taken, what are you going to do now? You think 90210 is going to help you? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Uh, Mariah Carey got a 35-carat diamond ring. I had breakfast. So what? If my wife could get a 35-carat diamond and she felt that's what made her secure, then all I got to do is take it away for her to be insecure. Or your zip code, or you lost a job, or you had to downsize because of the economy downsizing your income, and you had to move into a smaller house out of a gated community. Have you lost your soul? Are you suddenly going to fall apart? See, what was your security in? Well, we know right now what it was in. It sure wasn't in God. It wasn't very secure at all. 
You can lose your appearance. You can have a doctor's knife cut across your body, and it can be hot and toned and buff and whatever you want to call it to describe it, and then it's got scars all over it in order to save your life. Is that going to be your, is that going to be your security, how I look naked? No, it ain't me. I ain't looking too good. I, I'm in deep yogurt, if that's the case for me. Mama still looks good, but I'm not doing that good. Now, one of the common ways God is described in the Bible is being a place of refuge, a hiding place. Psalms 119 says, you are my hiding place and my shield. Psalms 27, for he, God, will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. And those songs weren't penned by people having a vacation and a comfortable, easy life. These were people who were being crucified, burned as the stake, tortured, imprisoned. They had danger from thieves, attack, sickness, drought, whatever it may be. They were never in a good place when they wrote this. And not one of them put their security in the government or any administration, Republican or Democrat. And if you think any of them are going to make your soul secure, you're going to be dismally disappointed. The only redemption is in Christ Jesus, not a government. It will never, never happen. I'm a voter, but I don't think it's going to redeem our nation or man. If you do, then you're looking for political redemption and security. So no matter what's going on in the world, these people had a confidence that was unshaken, no matter what happened to them in tribulation or in peace, in life or death. Every day was a matter of life and death to these people, yet their songs were all about the safety, the security, the mighty fortress, the refuge of God. So how can we make that our song? Huh? In a dangerous world where we're always tempted to hide and run from God instead of in God, how do we make these songs our hiding place, our refuge in Him, our song? You know, I, I think every husband, need, when crisis hits, when you have a secure soul, you'll tell your wife, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. We're going to make it. This is tough. He'll give us wisdom. He'll put people in our life at an appropriate moment. Do not panic. Do not fall apart. I have a secure soul. And my wife, you, you talk to her when I'm not around and ask her in every crisis we've faced, first words out of my mouth, it's going to be okay. God will care for us. And I can quote her scripture after scripture that promises that comfort. I've got a secure soul. I may not have a secure job. I may not have a secure body, could have cancer in it. I may not have a secure 401k. We may not have a secure nation, but I got a secure soul. And I'll swap that any day. I'll, I'll keep that against anything you want to offer me. So how can we make that our song, our refuge? Number one, just two things. Resist compromise. Now, why start there? The reason one of the primary ways that we try to protect ourselves from any pain of uncertainty is by compromising on what we know God wants us to do. Because in those moments, compromise feels safer. It just does. When we're faced with financial uncertainty, it just seems safer to misuse our money or to hoard our resources. When faced with loneliness or a relationship problem, it's just safer to go ahead and be loose, lustful, and act out our sexuality. When there are consequences for telling the truth, it's a lot safer to be deceitful or manipulative. But those steps of trying to protect ourselves, of trying to be safe, actually don't bring your soul security. They rob you of it. I don't know where this may hit home for you. I can't tell you what to do, and I don't know what God wants you to do. I just know 
we choose not to do it because it feels risky to be obedient, to be faithful to God. But Jesus said, by standing firm, you will win your souls. That's interesting language. If you follow me, if you do what I say, even if it sounds risky, your soul will rest in a kind of security you never thought possible that all this stuff around you, you've put false hope in, could never provide for you. Obedience to God doesn't earn God's grace. It just secures you in it. It anchors your soul. So, let's just make a concrete thought about percentages for just a moment. What percentage of your life, your hopes, your dreams, your ambitions, your pursuits, do you think God is calling you to entrust to Him? This is not a trick question. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that means He's going to, He wants you to entrust to Him everything going on in your life, your marriage, your finances, your kids, everything. And it's so much easier to take a step of compromise, but He says, I want one hundred percent. And then we say, well, that's a little scary, but when we entrust ourselves fully and faithfully to Jesus, what percentage is the chance Jesus is going to be faithful to us? One hundred percent. That's soul security. That's what He provides. And second, you've got to step out of your comfort zone. That sounds a little counterintuitive when we talk about security, but this gets at the heart of what Jesus said over and over again. So much of what we typically define as comfort-producing or comfort-protecting things like storing up treasure on earth or putting our own success above our colleagues or others, Jesus said that way of life is actually dangerous for your soul. On the other hand, so much of what we think is comfort-risking, like forgive your enemies, give sacrificially when you don't think you have enough to spare, Jesus said that's actually a safe way to live. It's safe for your soul. It's better security. Step into it. And so God may be asking you to put something at risk, but listen to this. He wants you to step out of your comfort zone, but never to put your soul at risk. It's to put sin at risk. Uh, it might be to serve. It might be to pray for somebody. It might be to have a hard but truthful conversation. It might be to stop and really listen to somebody. And if your whole thought is, what is the most comfortable way to build my life? You are putting your soul at risk. God will never do anything miraculous in your comfort zone, ever. Our God is not a safe God. He is a dangerous, mighty, holy, and redemptive God. He's building a church, but it's not a safe church. It's a church where people like you and me are called to risk our safety to put sin in danger. We're called to risk our safety to put sin in danger, to put greed at risk, injustice at risk, loneliness at risk, poverty at risk, and evil at risk. I never put my soul at risk. I may put my body at risk, but I've never put my soul at risk when I do that. Jesus never asked you to put your soul at risk. Just give your life to put sin at risk. It's the safest thing you can do with your soul on the cross. Finally, you hear the echo of that Hebrew word, henna, the word see. And God says at the cross, do you see? Look, do you see? I'm giving up my soul for the security of yours, because He always provides. He's always good. And that means, listen, this is the takeaway. That means the only safe place for your soul isn't a place. It's a person. It's Jesus. You can anchor your soul in Him today.
And Jesus does not say to you, there won't be storms. Jesus doesn't promise you will always feel safe, but he promises you can have an anchor, an eternal anchor for your soul. His love, his life, his grace, his provision, and his death for you to be secure forever, which means with him and him alone, I can finally and forever be eternally safe and eternal secure no matter what's going on around me. For more information on Summit Christian Center and Rick Godwin, visit SummitSA.com and connect with us on social media.